Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. It is now time for Market View. Uh, we've got a couple of companies to watch as well as a data heavy week. But first, Tian Tian, here's a recap of how we started the day. Right, Elliot. So Singapore shares opened the week higher today after global markets ended the previous week in the green. The Straits Times Index was up 0.2% in early trade to 3,274 points. Some 81 million securities changed hands then. Now, off to the closing numbers. Key to note, the benchmark Straits Times Index closed down at 0.27% in the red at 3,257 points. In terms of value turnover, that's a about 922 million sing dollars. Gainers outnumbered losers though 290 versus 249. Top advances GMH USD, UOB and New Incorporation USD and top decliners Venture Corp, OCBC and UOL. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Citrium because the group announced on Friday that it has secured a contract worth more than $500 million Sing dollars. Now, that's to develop platforms for two offshore wind farms located off the coast of Long Island all the way in the U.S. Now, meantime, speaking of the U.S., investors around the world continue to brace themselves for a data-heavy week. April's U.S. inflation data will likely grab the attention of traders, as will the U.S. monthly budget statement for April. So let's break down all these developments with David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Mr. Kuo, how are you today? I'm very good, Tian Tian. Good evening to you and good evening to Elliot. Oh, good evening. And uh, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today? Well, I think you've already said it. It's about as flat as a dosa masala, I think. Yep. Uh, it went nowhere fast. The interesting thing, Tian Tian, is I was having a look at something. Did you know that the Straits Times Index today is yeah. only just a few points away from where it was at the start of the year? Wow. In other words, it started the year at 3251, and currently it is 3257. So after, what, five months, four months, four and a half, five months? Are we back to square one? Trading, we're back to square one. Oh. A bit like Chelsea, really, when you think about it, yeah? We've gone nowhere, yeah, Chelsea? Start of the season, we were up at a high, and then we went down to the lows, a bit like the, the Straits Times Index, went as high as 3,400 points, then it fell to 3,120 points, and now it's at uh, 3,259. So it's been a waste of a year for everybody, and a waste of a year for all Chelsea supporters as well. We've gone nowhere in the entire season. You're safe from relegation, Mr. Kuo. That's important. Small comfort. Small comfort, Elliot. We want silverware in the cupboard. We don't want to avoid relegation. We knew that. We knew we were never going to get relegated anyway. Yeah. Of course you did. Uh, I want to talk about DBS. Uh, It's been served an additional capital requirement after a disruption in its digital banking services. Were you affected? What? No, I wasn't. No, surprisingly, uh, I don't spend any money. So therefore, I wasn't affected at all. You should know me. You should know me, Elliot. I'm as tight as a whatever. Yeah, I don't spend money. So therefore, I wasn't affected and I wasn't expecting any money. But, you know, you make a really good point. I mean, this is the first time they've had a... An outage over a DBS, mm. and of course, you know, and of course, you know, the NAS has come along and said, "Oh, um, you're going to have to hold um, more capital," which therefore means that it has less capital, therefore, to lend to other people. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not really going to affect DBS a great deal, except, of course, you know, it's, it is a bit embarrassing because lots of people have POSB accounts and DBS accounts, and when you can't transact, it is very annoying and. Uh, 
let's just help they find the source of the problem and try and not let it happen again. Because, I mean, this is, what, the second or third time it's happened to, uh, yeah. to DBS? Hmm. So, it, so, so it's not something, you know, that um, they're not unfamiliar with, but they need to do something because uh, people do rely on uh, the banking services to work effectively when they want it to work. Mm. And zooming in on some of the other companies to watch, Mr. Kuo, we do have Citrium, which is formerly known as Semcom Marine. Uh, the company said uh, it secured a contract worth more than half a billion Sing dollars to develop platforms for two offshore wind farms located off the coast of Long Island in the US. And this is a joint venture between Norwegian state-owned energy company Equinor and uh, oil giant BP. How significant is this for Citrium? Well, I think it is quite significant, uh, Tentiet. Mm. But the other thing, of course, is, I mean, it's a half billion dollar contract, but we don't know how much profit they're going to be making out mm-hmm. of the contract. I mean, we've seen previously some of the contracts that were signed by uh, Semcor Marine and they weren't really that profitable. But I think, you know, this is a step in the right direction. Uh, these two companies, Equinor and also BP, uh, have uh, assigned the contract to uh, Citrium. And once the platform has been built, it's a wind farm platform. Once it's been built, it'll be handed over to Equinor to run. So uh, it's not as though uh, Suncorp Marine will be operating the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the contraption. But in fact, they'll just be handing it over. But I think uh, it is a sign that let's hope they have more contracts like that because we certainly need more uh, green energy rather than um, all the oil drilling platforms that mm. uh, Semcor Marine has been famous for. That's the way That's the way the world is today, uh, David. Let's uh, talk about another company on our radar, Venture Corp. Uh, net profits for the first quarter of the fiscal year down 12.4% on a yearly basis. Mm. Um, it's a tech firm. Any concerns there, given how shares were down over, what, 6% in early trade? Oh, well, I think they ended, you know, one of the worst performers today on the uh, on the Straits Times Index. So it is worrying. It wasn't just the profits that was worrying, but also mm. because uh, the revenue was also down. So it looks as though they're picking up fewer contracts at the moment. And, of course, uh, their outlook for the future wasn't that bright either. And I think, you know, that is part of um, uh, what people will have to expect from industries. In other words, there is a global economic slowdown out there. And how easy is it going to be for companies like Venture to actually go out and pick up new contracts? We know that things like mobile phone sales are down. A lot of the electronic equipment is also down at the same time. And so uh, maybe it's going to be a tough year for, uh, for Venture Corp. Uh, revenues could be down this year. And also, I think uh, profits will also be down. So let's hope they don't have too many layoffs as a result of those, uh, uh, the outlook that they've actually provided for investors. Mm, if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to David Kuo, co-founder, The Smart Investor. And uh, Mr. Kuo, speaking about layoff, this company laid off about 3,500 people last year. We are talking about C Group here. And C's founder, Forrest Lee, he has declared a 5% pay raise to most employees starting July, according to a Bloomberg report. Do you think C's business has turned a corner, given how it reported its first quarterly net profit in March, 14 years after founding? But I, I tell you what, Tenshin, I have a huge amount of respect for Forrest Lee because uh-huh. he, acted, he acted so quickly. I mean, it was almost as though he could see the writing on the wall, what was going to be happening. It was going to be very difficult for particularly tech companies to raise finance. And he knew that uh, what he had in the bank was really all that he will uh, be able to raise. And so consequently, he had to take, um, uh, he had to bite the bullet. He had to take the tough medicine. And he had to uh, retrench some of the workers uh, that were working for uh, for his companies. 
And so as a result of that, he's been able to turn around the business. I think also uh, he and some of the directors also uh, went without their salaries, you know, as a sign yeah. to the rest of the workers. But um, it's not just you that is suffering. We are suffering at the same time also. So they weren't going to be taking a salary. And as a result of that, they've been able to turn around the business. Let's just hope now that they are cash flow positive and that they are generating cash, that they will be able to, as you quite rightly said, turn the corner and start to grow their business. The key, of course, is growth. If they cannot grow their sales, then they'll be in trouble. But it's looking pretty likely that they will be able to grow their sales, which therefore means that they will be able to generate profits and cash. And I think it could be one of the um, success stories as a result of the downturn in the uh, tech industry and maybe the tech crunch that we're, we're, we've been hearing so much about then again. Hmm. And staying on the topic of Chinese tech firms, um, Mr. Kuo, we were just talking about Alibaba the other time, and now Alibaba's logistic arm, Tainan Network Technology, reportedly aiming to raise up to two billion US dollars via a Hong Kong IPO. Your take on this, and also which will be the next unit that will go IPO after Tainan? Right. Okay. Uh, you're, you're asking me to bring out my crystal ball. So uh, let, me just, let, let, me, let me just bring out my crystal ball at the moment and just have a look to see which are the likely ones that are, are going to be uh, listed. But uh, yes, uh, Alibaba had already said that they were um, separating the entire conglomerate into six different companies and that they would be uh, at some point floating off these six separate companies in order to appease the regulators over in China. So it wasn't a huge surprise, and it wasn't really that much of a surprise that they chose Hong Kong, because I think there are certainly investors out there in the world who would like to have a piece of the action. And China, tell me, does China actually mean vegetable bird? Green horn, if, I'm, if I recall that correctly. A green horn? I think so. Oh, right. Okay. I thought China was a vegetable bird. But anyway, uh, it doesn't really matter what it is. But they will obviously be looking at floating off some of their other businesses as well. And as to which one it's going to be, I tell you what, Chen Chen, I'm going to go in alphabetical order, right? And mm. so China begins with the letter C. I think the next one could actually be cloud intelligence, which begins with the letter C also, followed by digital media and entertainment, followed by global digital commerce, and then uh, maybe local services, and then Taobao, Tmail, Commerce. Yeah? Okay. So uh, alphabetical okay. order, I think, is probably the fairest. Okay. And, but this one, just off the top of my head, since we are on China, uh, Mr. Kuo, if you could uh, help enlighten us. Uh, we do see Chinese bank stocks soaring um, today, mm. some posting their biggest single-day gains since uh, the 2015 equity bubble. Your thoughts on this um, and also about banks cutting deposit rates? Okay, um, well, I think the two things are kind of related, and uh, that was really what drove the Hang Seng Index and also uh, some of the Chinese indices as well today, the stock market indices. It was driven primarily by the banks. And what they are actually doing is to cut the deposit rates. Uh, maybe what they want to do is to uh, discourage people from saving money and instead taking that money and going out and spending that money hmm. uh, in order to drive the Chinese economy. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah. So, well, well, but, well, look at it this way, Kit. Yeah. I mean, if you weren't earning any money in the bank or you were earning less money in the bank, then you would say, well, why, why would I bother leaving my money in the bank? I might as well take it out and spend it. And I think, you know, this is part of the psychology behind the... Uh, uh, the move by the state-owned banks, uh, they're cutting their deposit rates, which will therefore enable them to make more profits, 
which is what is driving the, uh, uh, the share price. And the second thing, of course, is that with uh, less money in the bank, uh, more money in your pockets, you're going to go out and spend it, hopefully, again, again. Mm, and if my memory don't fail me, I, I recall that the 2015 equity bubble has to do with margin calls. So any concern here if you're getting people to borrow more? Well, the thing is, I mean, the Chinese consumers primarily are sort of relatively cash-rich anyway mm. uh, because they have this sort of savings mentality behind them. As long as they, they're using that money, uh, their savings, in order to go out and spend, then I think that's okay. What you don't really want is for them to uh, take that money out and using it for buying speculative investments such as um, uh, such as shares. What, that is what you don't want to happen, mm. but you do want a more stable economy. So uh, by cutting the deposit rates, like I say, it will hopefully encourage people to take their money out and uh, go out and spend it and uh, drive that Chinese economy through consumer spending. Mm, and finally, a quick one before we let you go, Mr. Kuo. A data-heavy week for global investors and at the front and centre of everything is the US inflation data and US monthly budget data. Expectations for headline and core CPI is to be up 0.4% in April. Do you agree with this? I kind of agree with it. I think, you know, inflation is fairly sticky and... Uh, <laughs> This really sort of puts the Fed in a very difficult position because it's already indicated mm. or hinted that it won't be uh, that the last interest rate rise was the last one for this year. Uh, so what are they going to do? If the inflation data is worse than expected, uh, what can we expect from the Federal Reserve? I think uh, what they're relying on at the moment is this quantitative tightening where they will be withdrawing somewhere in the region of 90 billion U.S. dollars every month, draining 90 billion of liquidity uh, from the U.S. economy. And so by the end of this year, over a trillion U.S. dollars will be drained, and they're hoping that that will be able to quell inflation. So uh, I think for people with a nervous disposition, uh, the best thing you can do is to buy a blindfold, don't watch the television, and stick your fingers in your ear, and uh, try not to hear anything that's going on because it could get quite ugly uh, in the stock market arena. All right. So best not to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't see it, don't hear it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. If you have no expectations, then uh, you won't have any disappointment. Thanks a lot, Mr. Kuo. That was David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. You're welcome. Thank you, Jen. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.